Welcome to Greener Fields with me, your host, Hannah Nash. Here, I'll be chatting with people all around the world about the realities of life in your 20s and 30s, especially regarding what life is like living in Ireland or abroad. The good, the bad, the funny and the ugly, and everything else in between to help you decide whether the grass is always greener on the other side or just greener wherever you water it. Enjoy! Nicola, you are very welcome to Greener Fields. How are you getting on? I'm good. I'm warm. I'm hot. I'm sticky. <laughs> All the things you'd expect from Queensland in the middle of December, the middle of summer. Start of summer, I suppose, actually. We're only just into summer. It's the, the polar opposite to how I'm feeling. For anyone listening, it is 8am on a Thursday in December. So I have my fluffy jacket on. I've got a blanket, hot water bottle, the whole lot. And Nicola looks so lovely and warm and sun-kissed and everything else in between. Um, So I'm only a tiny bit jealous, only a tiny bit jealous at the moment. <laughs> Before we get into this conversation, and I, it is one that I am particularly excited about because there is so much I think that you can offer with your own story, but also with everything you've worked with, where you're living, all these different things that I'm just, I can't wait to get into. For for those who don't know you, um, and I'm actually included in that, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, my name is Nicola Holly. I live in, bang in the middle of Brisbane, in the CBD. I immigrated from Trilly County Kerry 13 years ago now. Um, and we came straight to Brisbane and have always been in Queensland in that length of time. And I am the president of the Irish Australian Support Association of Queensland, which is a long So we shorten it down to ISAC. Um, so if you hear me speaking about ISAC throughout this, it's not a fella. It's a, a charity organisation. And um, I'm also the um, gallery manager for the Griffith University Art Gallery here in Brisbane. So I have two really, really fantastic roles here. Uh, very privileged to have both of those roles. And I don't believe that these opportunities probably would come up if I remained in Ireland. So as a, as a way of giving back and a connection to our community here, I am quite involved in the Irish community in Brisbane, quite proudly involved in the Irish community in Brisbane. And like you mentioned there, this this Irish community in Brisbane is something that we're going to speak a lot about because I think it is so, so fascinating. And, and what you do there, from, from my very brief understanding, is incredible. And, and I just cannot wait to talk about your role there, what you've experienced, how you got involved. But, you know, to, to start the conversation, I'd love to, to hear a little bit about the life pre-Australia 13 years ago um, and like you mentioned you're probably a, a, you're a Kerry woman so no doubt a proud Kerry woman um, a proud Irish woman as well and kind of growing up through that time I love to ask my guests you know what that kind of like childhood was like um, you know school college whatever it was for you because I think a lot of our kind of foundations of you know Ireland and and who we are and where we come from come from that time so yeah can you bring me back to plus 13 days ago um and you're, you're somewhere in Kerry and um just growing up I'd love to hear about it probably probably a lot more fresh face looking the Australian sun can be a bit harsh um no I I was the first still am actually the first person in my media family to have immigrated um, obviously, like a lot of people at home, you know, you have cousins in America and you have cousins in in England. But I'm still the, you know, the only one, especially in my mom's family that lives overseas and um, which is quite difficult. Mm -hmm. And I suppose, you know, I'd never really thought seriously about immigration. And I always, 
you know, I knew I wanted to be in the arts. And unfortunately, when I graduated in the middle of the GFC, opportunities were non-existent, let alone to be having the gumption to be going into an art gallery. And um, even though I had a fantastic time at UCC, I suppose my friends um, picked more, I suppose, quote unquote, stable careers. So I did English and History of Art down in UCC and I went across like a lot of people, did my J1, um, first time living abroad for a while. We went to San Diego, it was fantastic. Somehow managed to get a job in the Museum of Art in San Diego. And then I came back and did my master's in UCC. It was a master's in modern contemporary art history in UCC and it was such, still is actually such a fantastic master's program. But unfortunately, when we graduated in 2020, the, um, or sorry, 2010, the opportunities were literally non-existent. Like there was a government hiring ban, a local council ban, and obviously they're the people who administrate the arts in Ireland. And it was, um, yeah, a bit of a bleak time to have had these wonderful opportunities abroad already, have had um, a really good experience in university, both socially and academically, and then to kind of be a small bit spat out and be like, right, what do I do with myself now? Um, so we had friends here, we had friends in Brisbane, I had never even heard of Brisbane, and we decided to immigrate rather rapidly in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. So we decided we were going, um, at that time you could go down to, at that time, I don't know if it's, if it's still a thing or not, but you used to be able to go down to like, um, you set in Cork and they would handle the whole thing for you. I'm not sure if that's how working holiday visa people still go there now. And we did that and we left within a couple of weeks and it was this really rapid immigration where I probably didn't have the time to really fully understand it. It um, wasn't really like it is now where you were saying earlier on about, you know, like Instagram and the FOMO that you see online and social media. Like, like I think we were just at the cusp of Facebook then. Like I wasn't having any influencer showing me what Australia was like. I didn't even realize it was summer when we landed over here. I was just so green and naive looking back at it. And um yeah, so we left. Like a lot of people kind of um, didn't really have much of a choice to leave, unfortunately. And then I landed in Brisbane. It was Rosen. Again, like I said, didn't realise it was the middle of summer. It was a proper culture shock to me. I felt very far away from home and um, decided to hand my CVs into lots of art galleries around Brisbane. And thankfully, a gallery in the middle of Brisbane took me on. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Heiser, his mom had an Irish passport, which I think had a big thing to do with it because my knowledge of Australian art was quite remedial back then. And yeah, very, like I said, very fortunate to have had the career I've had over here. So that's yeah. it in a nutshell. <laughs> Honestly, Nicola, that sounds, it's, there's so many things that are so interesting to me. And I think, you know, the, the one thing that I picked up or one of the many things that I picked up there was this idea of you asking yourself, what do I do now? And 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 I think a lot of other Irish people are asking themselves, you know, what do I do? Like, what, what should I do? And this is whole part of this conversation is that I think that's a very universal feeling. It's a it's a privileged position to be in. But whether it's for jobs or adventure or travel, we're wondering what we should do. Um, and for you, it was it became quite clear that to get a job that you wanted in a field that you wanted to was not going to happen here. Um, mm. and how it's so interesting how it's funny that you know Australia wasn't shoved down your throat <laughs> that sometimes it might feel like it is at the moment when it, when particularly when we're all cold and it's dark and it feels almost <laughs> like a personal attack everyone else having those beautiful days in Australia in the summer and the sunshine and everything like that but for you you hadn't even seen it you didn't even know what Brisbane was going to be like and things like that and I think that is so it's so hard for me to even imagine that and I think what your experience was like was very similar to that of 
many, many, many generations before you on a different scale that they saw a lot less. Yeah. You would have been able to, you know, you you could have you could find out things you saw home and away, different things like that. But it's just a really interesting insight into I'm guessing what we're going to talk about later is people that you also work with in the Irish Australian Support Association of Queensland, which is very long, which is a very long thing. To say. <laughs> and I actually have it written down beside me because I'm like, I need to get that right. And I think Nick, I think it's absolutely fascinating how how your story on how you got over there in the first place. Um, and I think, yeah, it's a story that is shared in, in different varieties by many Irish people. And before we kind of get into to where you are at now, but for the last kind of 13 years, I'd love to hear and understand about your experience of Australian life, of Brisbane life, of, you know, settling in, of, you know, I guess there came a point in time where you realised that you weren't just going to stay for a year. Um, You know, you stayed currently for 13. A question I'll be asking is, you know, will you come back or different things like that? But I guess your expectation was that maybe you probably wouldn't be there for 13 years, um, that you maybe are now, or maybe it was always the goal. But can you tell me about the last 13 years, your time in Australia, the good, the bad, everything else in between to help give context to to, to what you do now to help other Irish people? Yeah, it's so funny because, you know, like, I don't know, like it comes up like I, like a lot of people, will always kind of acknowledge the anniversary of when when we landed here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you kind of like your, your benchmarking. It's you're like, oh, I've been here five years now. I landed six years ago today. And then all of a sudden I got to that like decade point. And I was like, oh, my God, I've lived. The majority of my adult life has been outside of Ireland. And that was a really, um, I don't know, would I say harsh realization? But it definitely was a bit like, oh, that's a that's kind of an odd one there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, time just seems to go really rapidly over here. Mm-hmm. You, you hear a lot of people speak about, um, you know, all of, like time has flown. Oh, my God, I'm still here. Time flies. Time flies. I'm still here. And a lot of people have the story of I came over and work on holiday visa and I'm still here. And I think one of the things about Irish people in Australia is that we almost assimilate too well. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very easy place to live. We get on really well with Australian people here. Like we assimilate really well into society here. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've met people or you, you have a business or perhaps you've met an Australian partner and you have children. And then it's 15, 20 years go by and and you're you're still here. And it um yeah, they they make it very difficult to leave here as well. It's it's a hard thing to give up. It's really, really hard to give up. Yeah. Okay. So um so that's so interesting, Nicola. It's just so interesting to hear that. Yeah, it makes it that that we I have heard of this idea that time flies and it makes it very difficult to leave. And, and we see that from I think, you know, I have heard the sentence from a lot of friends that they almost don't want to go because they think it'll be too hard to leave, which is yeah. like that is something I've heard. And and there's almost I think that that innate fear maybe within us all a little bit because of the distance, because of what it would mean to, to emigrate. You know, I certainly obviously I'm I'm taking this call from from home in Dublin and, and whether I you know visit Australia I'm going to Australia I still don't know these questions or answers for myself but there is that underlying thought in me is what if I love it too much would I ever come home and I think that's a, a shared worry for Irish people um, and also for their parents and their families as well like I I definitely have that understanding from from my parents point of view that that they're like they, they'd rather you go with a partner an Irish partner because the chances are you're likely to come back and all these different yeah. things and 
I think that, you know, for some people, that's not too much of a worry, but it's also the reality is that when you get there and, it, and you assimilate so well into society, you get the jobs that you, you maybe couldn't get here. I can understand why that would happen. And, and for you and those those highlight moments of your time in Australia, can you tell me about those kind of early couple of years of, of coming of coming to Brisbane, of getting those jobs and that job in the art gallery and kind of finding yourself in society, whether that was within you know, making Australian friends or finding that Irish community so early on and the kind of what feels like the the mass immigration to Australia in the last couple of years. How was that for you? It was, look, honestly, the first couple of years here were difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it was um, a different time back then. I was like really naive. I didn't have a lot of information. I had like a USEP brochure and a, and a SIM card and the the culture shock and the distance took me a long time to acclimatize it really did and I think it's natural for everybody to potentially question their choices when they come over here because you don't want to appear to other people at home that potentially you've made the wrong choice you want to kind of act like things are going good here for you but it's really difficult you're building networks you're trying to assimilate into a society and a culture that you're unfamiliar with you like for instance I always remember when we first moved over here and um, like the rental properties aren't furnished like nobody told us that so we went down to real estate in Brisbane and I remember you know the woman behind the counter was like oh do you want a furnished property or an unfurnished property and I was like why would I want an unfurnished property like what would that I, I was I was so confused by it and then something you know after you stay a long time here now you kind of think geez the idea of being in a rental property with somebody else's furniture is a bit odd you know but it's just these things that people don't really tell you and you've got all I think everybody has their own individual curveballs that they have to deal with and I'll always kind of remember that one about the furnished property and thinking oh I'm a small bit out of my depth here now and in in where I am um but yeah it's not it's not always easy and I think you know like we were speaking about that earlier with the rise of social media and everything being on social media and everybody documenting their lives continuously on social media people have this view of you know the harbour bridge and sydney and the boat parties and it's not it's it's not always like that be it in sydney or here you know like i said friends come friends go friends decide to go home friends that you were very close to you know like elect to leave mm-hmm. um people mm-hmm. choose other life paths maybe people that you've come over with tend to take different paths over here and yeah it's almost like you're growing up on the other side of the world without those support networks that you'd normally have And I think the biggest thing is that like when you have a bad day in particular, you can't go home, you can't ring your mother, you have to wait until five o'clock in the day to even contact somebody from home. It's it's really difficult. And I think it's easy for people to kind of see, oh, yeah, like things are so great in Oz. But yeah, it's really, really difficult over here at times. And it's not all sunshine and boat parties and the lols. It's it can be quite difficult. And I think, you know, if it was only all that, well, then there would be it would be, you know, that that is that's a holiday. And and I think that we talk a lot about on this podcast is the difference between emigration and a holiday. Um, And with emigration comes working and comes accommodation comes, um, you know, trying to put these, you know, pillars in place to support us through the ups and downs that like inevitably life is going to throw at you. And I think, you know, you touched on something there that other people who have sp- I've spoken to with who are in Australia particularly, but have traveled in general, talk about that kind of transient nature of friendship um, by mm-hmm. default of the fact of, you know, if, if you are an Irish person in Australia, 
there is a high chance potentially that you will go home and there's also a you know and there's that chance that it may it may grasp you so tight that you won't but then without that shadow of a doubt there's going to be yeah like and I guess that's the transient nature of getting growing up and getting older but what you don't have when you are far away is that kind of like you said that instant support system of driving home to mommy and daddy it's um being able to pick up the phone is that you actually have a couple of barriers now they're not like they were before in 50 60 years ago where there was complete you know barriers they were never going to go home but they're the barriers of time distance they're the barriers of um you know I guess time is a, is a big thing and then distance of, of trying to get home if there's yeah. a big problem and I think you know I guess in my head, it's so linked to to your experience, why you you got involved in the first place with the Irish Australian Support Association of Queensland, which I have written down again, and I'm making sure it's all right. Um, it's fantastic at it. It's a very long, lots of big words. But for yourself, I can see from your own experience how much that has drawn you into the work that you do with the association and I would love to hear about I guess the, the beginning of how you got involved so you're an Irish woman living in Brisbane for for 13 years when did you get involved did you find like many other Irish people that that community within Australia almost instantly or did it take a little bit of time to get to get to where you are today no it took a little bit of time I um I by the by the nature of my job I met a lot of Australian people I had a lot of Australian friends and it's interesting as well we kind of noticed as well at Isaac that people that are here on the working holiday visa they either like come with their own their own cohort or their own ready-made friends and you know they only need to connect to their culture at certain times of the year like St. Patrick's Day or you know like the the FIFA Women's World Cup was obviously a big gathering this year as well but it's not until they maybe have that realization that oh I want to stay here that then they kind of want those more meaningful connections to home, not the the drinking and the celebrating and the more, I suppose, maybe borderline performative actions of, of being Irish. They want a deeper connection. And especially, um, you know, if they choose to have families here and we have a, a mother and parent group and, and things like that, you just, you want that deeper connection to home. So when I first came here for the first couple of years, still to this day, some of my best friends are Irish. I, um, sorry, or Australian, all the people I worked with were Australian and I was given a job opportunity to run an art gallery um, two and a half hours west of here in a place called Stanthorpe. And I lived out there for a couple of years, which is quite a regional area of Queensland. It's absolutely freezing. It's the coldest place in Queensland. Again, have to take some responsibility, did no research when I moved down there. There's obviously a recurring theme in this. And um, I met two Irish people out there, but all, all my friends were Australian out there. So then when I was given the opportunity to come back to Brisbane, I just felt like I had this deficit of a connection to Ireland. At that point, I'd been there seven, eight years in Australia. And I was like, God, I don't actually know many Irish people. I don't know anything about the Irish culture in Brisbane. I don't know what happens. So I did a lot of volunteering work when I was living out in Stanthorpe. And I thought, oh, I might come back and just try to get involved with some Irish societies here. So I Googled what was around the place and um, Isaac came up and I came down to the office, which is just down in the gab outside of the city here. And I met Paddy, who was our coordinator at the time. And Paddy just typical Irish fashion, just welcomed me with open arms, like figuratively and literally. And I couldn't remember the last time I'd spoken to an Irish person because I'd be living so regionally for the past couple of years. So originally I was only kind of meant to help with a bit of social media and marketing and then it became more deep and more profound and more meaningful when I saw what 
problems Irish people get into and the programs that we run. And yeah, no, I'm still here, still, still working with them. Wow. <laughs> so wow. it's it's been really fantastic. I think, you know, it's such an interesting point that you just brought up and this idea of that kind of performative Irish like traditions like we all know them and we all see them as well and it's the like you said the sporting occasions and they're amazing and and they are part of what our, our culture is as we celebrate those things to to an extent that I think is particularly unique and special but when it comes to and they are what you see on social media they are the Christmas days on Bondi Beach they are the St. Patrick's yeah. days um, in Chicago or or the, the people in London watching the rugby at Six Nations time like you see that you can name it but there is I think a need and I think this is actually just a, a almost a wider societal thing that we crave that deeper connection and I think particularly as you know if you are an Irish person living abroad ha- having had emigrated it's not just that you just crave deeper connection I think you crave deeper connection to home and to what makes oh, you and to what makes you feel safe and that comfort and I guess that mutual understanding that you were probably raised on Tato and um and you know what's it called uh I can't remember that orange drink that was just always in the pub you were raised on that as well <laughs> And you were brought for that walk after mass on a Sunday and you had families with, you know, different things that we can almost always name. We all had the exact yeah. same thing and as did our parents and our parents before that and before that. And I think there's that mutual understanding that feeds that deeper connection that again, you know, maybe isn't 100% needed all the time, particularly if you're there for a year or two years. But if it's something that is longer term, feeling that you haven't lost that kind of fundamental part of of your upbringing or your culture or history I can only imagine is is so important and so special and for you Nicola that was what you craved when you came back from that kind of more isolated further away part of the coldest part of Brisbane which probably wasn't even that cold and then came back to the main main um city and I just would love to hear a little bit about you know your journey through Isaac um because I just think yeah it's from what I've since seen on social media today what you do now is, is is hugely important and very special. But what did you see for when you first went in there? What did you see? What did you recognize within yourself that you could, you know, recognize and shared experience with other people? What other stories did you hear? Because I, I kind of have a feeling they're going to be particularly special. I think like physically, I'll always remember the first thing I remember seeing in the office was um, one of those old wooden display cabinets, you know, like that a lot of people's nans have in their house. And we had that donated to us a while back. And, you know, it has that gorgeous stained glass and things like that. And I um, I was like, oh, my God, I was like, I haven't seen anything physically Irish in a very, very long time. And that always kind of hit home with me. Like we we try, like we rent a premises in Brisbane, but and we've got other neighbors, but we we do always try to make the the office as, yeah, like as friendly as possible. And yeah, that has always kind of stuck with me. And it was um a lot of the time what we hear from our clients is an Irish voice down the phone. Like when you're in strife or when you're in a bit of trouble here and you pick up the phone to ring one of our fantastic staff members and there's an Irish voice at the end of the home, at the end of the phone. And honestly, like I said, I had that exact same experience where I hadn't spoken to anybody Irish in a very, very long time. And it was like, even though I was in an office in Brisbane somewhere, I felt like I had walked in the door to my nan's house. 
or my granddad's house or somewhere like that and it was a small bit emotional I don't think Paddy ever kind of realized how much it meant to me at the time because for Paddy it was just a day-to-day thing where you know there was a potential volunteer coming in the door and for me it was something a lot more mm. meaningful and a lot more d- deep I suppose so we we do try to offer that service for a lot of people and yeah they, they always say as well people are so funny when they come into the office they'll see you know like we've got like an like not paddy whackery i'm quite like adverse to the paddy whackery the leprechauns and the foolery but like we've got a library of irish books where you can take an irish book and leave an irish book and we have some gorgeous work by contemporary irish artists on the wall and yeah i think for a lot of people it's just a, a place of solace especially if they're going through a bad time or even if they're not going through a bad time they just want to come down and have a cup of tea it's like there's a little slice of Ireland somewhere in the middle of Brisbane, you know, it's quite lovely. Honestly, like everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a, I'm a highly sensitive and emotional person. But the idea of that to me, I think is just so special. The idea that you could be so far away from home and then there's this guy, literally a guy called Paddy, welcoming you in the door <laughs> and, and and making you feel that that you're ba- instantly back there, that you're seeing those kind of old wooden cabinets, you're hearing Irish voices and that, I guess you're you're even though you're miles and miles away you're actually not because you're actually talking to Irish people there you're part of that community you have that shared experience with them that they're not home either but they're not going to let this be something that gets you know lost in translation they're going to understand your crack your story what what home means to you the everything in between and I just even the thought of that for me and I'm I'm living I'm at home right now and I'm like geez that would be that would throw me over the edge that is so so special I think you know from 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 all the different groups that you work with and you've mentioned that the mother and baby there was one that I particularly want want, love to hear a little bit more about and they're your JLo's um can you please explain to me what does that word mean who are they and what you've learned from them from your time over the last few years? So our JLOs are our senior members of Isaac. And um, last year, the year before, I think, um, our staff were trying to reconfigure the group and maybe thinking that the word senior might be a bit alienating to people because it's, it's, you know, typically from 60 up. And one of our board members, Johnny, is technically a, a, a senior member now. Um, we're always kind of taking the piss out of him for that so we kind of wanted to like maybe remove that word senior in case people were hesitant to joining so the staff came up with JLOs which stands for just a little older and obviously lends itself to JLO Jennifer Lopez and we brought it to them and um, the JLOs kind of some of them understood the reference but like we just thought it was an absolute crack up and it's very kind of um reflective of what we are at Isaac in that like you know we can be quite cheeky and quite witty and we really tried to um I wouldn't say not take ourselves so seriously because the the issues and the cases we deal with can be quite serious but you know really leaning into that Irish sentiment of just having the crack so there are JLOs there are senior members um personally I have the utmost respect for all our JLOs. Um, I've spent a lot of time with them. This year we did, we collaborated with Griffith University, who I work for, and we did an oral history project with some of the design, the graphic design students at Griffith. And we had some staff and some volunteers capture the oral histories of our JLOs. And then we worked with the graphic design students and the visual communication students at the university. And they took all their wonderful stories and they illustrated them as part of their assessment. So we came away with about 30 different variations of all our seniors' stories in an illustrative visual form. 
and then we selected one that we thought would be the best and what we've done is we have reproduced that in a book and we are going to have a little um, glam book launch next year hopefully around St Patrick's Day where the participants will get copies of the book and we're hoping to give a, a copy of the book to the library and the embassy and our own library and um, I was part of that very fortunate to be part of that and I got to interview one of our senior members Pat and yeah, it was just really, really humbling, I think would be a good way to describe when you spend time with them. Mm -hmm. um, they're also gas, like they're absolutely, they're like a crack up. They're absolutely brilliant. They're meant to be at the moment. So we do a knit and natter group with them as well, where they come down to the office on Friday and obviously do more nattering than knitting. And they're meant to be working on a nativity scene. And tomorrow is the last day they're here. And apparently they don't even have the baby Jesus started. So we're a bit concerned about about the viability of the nativity scene <laughs> oh my gosh wow yeah absolutely brilliant but it um yeah it's quite sad because obviously a lot of them have been here for decades and decades and decades and either unfortunately they've had a partner who's passed away or you know their family have chosen to move elsewhere and um the social aspect of the programs we provide are just Honestly, to some of our JLOs, they're just instrumental in their day-to-day -day lives. Being able to come down to the office, being able to knit, being able to go out for lunch, just being able to talk to other people. Um, during COVID, we did an IT program with them, and that was just, again, hilarious. Um, one of our senior members found out how to read the Irish Independent online, and once he figured that out, he didn't want to engage with the program any further, and it was just hilarious because... That's all you required in life. And another senior member found out how to FaceTime her daughter. It was just, yeah. So we we tried to think about things that are, aside from the social aspect, which is obviously incredibly important to them, but we also kind of, in the past year or two, we've taken a more educational approach to it. So thinking of um, uh, an educational lens through things. So we, we've done things like, um, which can be quite a difficult topic to do, but this year we had an Irish solicitor in and we went through kind of wills and estate planning and, you know, those kind of more difficult conversations. And because of a lot of our senior members have been here for years, I think they have that trust in us that if we're bringing in speakers like this, it is truly for their own benefit and their own kind of future. But yeah, we'd just be lost without them. I just love them to bits. Honestly, I wasn't expecting to hear these stories and also like mutually at the same time want to cry and laugh. And that is how I hear when I hear about these stories of these these senior members these JLOs because again it's like I you can almost how you describe it is so is so Irish it's so uniquely Irish that the fact that they can't finish the baby Jesus because they're having too much fun but then they're also all they want to do is read the Irish Independent to be able to hear what's going on here to be able to talk about that at, at um when they're when they're meeting and I just think there is it's so special what you're doing there because not only are you bringing them together and like having that social space, but also you're still connecting them with home, but not just through the ways of St. Patrick's Day and uh, yeah. sporting matches or the pub scene. You're connecting them to actual home and to each other. And I just think, you know, that project you did where you captured their 30 stories and, and put it in like that is I, I, I would love to see those 30 stories and to understand you know where where how they got to where they are today so they've been here they've they emigrated 20 30 40 years ago they're in brisbane they they will be in brisbane likely for the rest of their lives 
and and what got them there in the first place and you know from your understanding of your story for their story and the story of the young people you're seeing now does that reason for emigration has it changed in your opinion when it comes to Australia and Brisbane particularly because wow that that's a book I can't wait to read whoever that book <laughs> whenever that launches I can't wait to read that book because wow that sounds amazing um I thought it did for a great time there I did think the reason for immigrating had um pivoted to like you said like you know the want to leave so you, you have the privilege to come over here and go on the work on holiday visa but you know the more you think about it and the cost of living at home and the housing prisis and you know sometimes I think is it actually any different to 2010 when I graduated and yeah you know the not even so much the lack of opportunity I think the difference is the lack of being able to stay in Ireland um predominantly because of the housing prices obviously mm -hmm. um so we've had a lot of people that yeah again haven't had much of an opportunity only to come over here and just to go back to our JLOs as well it was so interesting so when we started this project with them a lot of the women in the JLOs um were hesitant at it because we we heard this repeatedly that they didn't feel like their stories were valuable enough so it was this old Irish thing of oh what, what would you want to hear about me for um you know whereas the the men in the JLOs were a lot more forthright and coming forward and having a chat but predominantly the women just felt like their stories weren't of value and then we sat down with them and oh my god they're just trailblazers like they're just brilliant and you think has that changed either because a lot of the time the you know the getting everybody together the organization of it the you know physical logistical side of moving fell on the women and you think has that has that changed either at this point in time you know the families that are moving over here the that workload still seems to fall on the women so it was yeah i found that to be particularly really of interest to me and then like I said we sat down and geez they just had the most incredible lives like still have the most incredible lives are still absolutely fantastic I, I think there's there's that shared thing and I, again I think that's a unique or potentially a uniquely Irish thing is that and I find it when I'm asking people to be on this podcast like I, I fundamentally believe that everyone has an interesting story like I fundamentally believe it the reasons why they do things everything like that and it, I do find that every single time I ask someone they're like yeah amazing but sure my story's not that great or you've had other people that have been interest more interesting and I'm like no 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 I'm asking you <laughs> I'm asking you I don't want to hear what you thought about the other guests and, and I think it's one of those things where you know there is such like I always say this podcast is about travel and immigration and life in Ireland and that's like the the tip of the iceberg but underneath it is the person that made those decisions. And that's what makes me, that's what I find particularly interesting. And for those, the JLOs and for the young people who are coming in and everyone else in between yourself as well, Nicola, it's it's what you, what it took to get to that decision and, and all the subsequent decisions you've made to stay or to go or to come back or to join um, and volunteer. That's what I think is really interesting. And I'm sure those JLOs have those stories of, you know, um, work life yeah and then for them particularly I think it's their experience of emigration is changing now because of the work that you're doing to connect them with home but I think our experience or you know people in their 20s now they're going over knowing what it looks like they're going over yes. knowing like with resources like yourselves already there um they know that they can get home they know what it's like to call home but for these people and it's funny how in other conversations I've had on this podcast 
we've spoken about this idea of the Titanic, where you would go off, emigrate with your two bags and never come home. And for some people you probably work with, maybe that is the case, or maybe they haven't gone home every year. Like, you know, a lot of people my age, would they'll come home every once or every couple of years. Um, And I just think that's fascinating that for them, their expectation or their understanding of what it was like to move to this side of the world was likely very different to what it is to us today. And I guess, you know, that that brings me to my next question is, is the young people that you're seeing there. So the 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 young Irish in their 20s and their 30s coming over and working with them in, in the capacity that you do. Can you tell me from your understanding, obviously, we've spoken to so many before, where is it their head at? What do they need? What do they come to you looking for? Is it different to that kind of older senior JLo generation or is it much the same? No, it would be it would be completely different. Um, it's actually just as a bit of a sidestep there. It's so funny that you mentioned the Titanic because when we were doing our oral history project, it turned out that one of our JLOs aunts was meant to be on the Titanic and she missed it. And then this came to light like towards the very end kind of of like when we were recording her story. We were like, oh my God, <laughs> like it was just said in such a nonchalant way, you know. But um so yeah, I suppose the difference is for our JLOs and for our mothers, which would be our two um, core programs, they're people who are here for a long time. The people who walk in the door to the office, the, that younger generation usually contact Isaac, unfortunately, when they've gotten to a bit of bother. And a bit of bother has a large wheel of being a small thing to I lost my passport in the valley, which is like the um, going out precinct here. And I don't know where my passport is or to wider issues of, um, unfortunately, I'm experiencing some grave mental health issues. Um, unfortunately, throughout COVID, we saw a lot of domestic violence issues, homelessness, things like that. So it's those times, unfortunately, that the Irish community in Queensland contact us for very individualized um, professional support. They also, would tend to engage with us then throughout the year when we do one of our many events. We have a really large charity ball that opens the Brisbane Irish Festival. We get around 400, 450 people at that. We do St. Bridget's Day event. We do ad hoc kind of movie screenings. So that's when we would see the younger ones. But unfortunately, we're in the position where we do tend to see people at their lowest point in time here. And again, that's also really humbling because I think I look back at my own journey here and in the grand scheme of things, yes, it was difficult moving over here, but, you know, I didn't have a an overly hard time of it. And I think that's why I'm probably drawn to making sure that Isaac does well and we continue the services we provide because some of the things we have seen here are really, really difficult. They are um, quite confronting. We've seen people at very difficult times in their life and to have a physical place, but also really, really experienced professional staff that can deal with that is just yeah it's just out of this world and I've spoken to other cultures like and I don't think many people have this like as far as I know the you know we're funded by the Irish government through the immigrant support program which is where other support agencies are funded I just haven't heard of other nations doing this so I think it just speaks to our long-standing history of immigration but also our long-standing history of looking out for one another like we just always look out for one another over here and in general globally be it you know walking into an Irish bar and getting a job or somebody hooking you up but Isaac in particular, we look out for people in a very kind of like safe, professional way of like having that solace of somebody being able to support you when unfortunately things maybe haven't gone as planned as you wanted to over here. 
Hey, my name is Hannah and I am the host of Greener Fields. If you're enjoying this conversation, make sure to leave us a rating, share it with your friends and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date with all things Greener Fields. I think, again, it's such to me that just speaks to the thing you mentioned earlier of this idea that, you know, when you're here for you're not sure how long you're staying, you ju- you're just you're they're there for to mark the kind of big Irish occasions, like the sporting things and things like that. But when you know, like you're the mother and baby or the older generation, you know, you're here for good or for a very long time and you don't necessarily just want the the celebratory marking of St. Patrick's Day, you want that deep mm-hmm. connection. And and for the younger generation, it, I think it's 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 a credit to you guys to hear that, that they come to you with those much more difficult moments. So they're not there necessarily. And I'm sure you would I like them to be there for any any part of it and all the different parts of it and to 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 meet the other Irish people who have emigrated years before them. But the fact that they can go to you when they're their most desperate times, whether that's dealing with mental health or I'm sure homesickness. I think a lot of people who I've spoken to on this on your side of the world, it's things like they 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 miss out on things um when they are in Australia when it comes to funerals um and deaths of grandparents. Oh God. Yeah. And and I think that's probably what you see a lot of, I'd say. Oh, it's and I think you know. I suppose predominantly with young people they come over here and they work on holiday and then the crack is 90 and then you know something happens at home and there is you know I believe with immigrants Irish immigrants in Australia there's you know a certain point in time where you realize you can't get home for something and the two biggest challenges here for Irish people are um, distance and difference so it's the geographical difference. We, we, we call it the, the tyranny of distance, literally being on the other side of the world. And then the time difference of not being able to contact people throughout the day um, is very, very difficult. And also not having that support network of people that you can rely on. And it's so funny, like it still catches me, like 13 years later, it still catches me. Like it's, it's funny, um, like Mother's Day and Father's Day are at different points of the year here. And like, I feel like it happens to me every year here that like, you know, I'd be trying to round up your friends. I'm like, oh, like, let's go out for lunch on Sunday. And then like, all my friends are like, oh no, no, it's Father's Day. And you're like, oh, oh, cool. Oh, you're spending time with your family. Oh, cool, 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 good. That's, that's great. And like, in particular, I don't know if it's a Brisbane thing or an Australian thing, but in particular, Brisbane seems to be like, Sundays are very much a family oriented day here. And that's very difficult on people. We found that as well because, you know, Irish people obviously don't have that. And then maybe they've been out the night before, um, you know, the Sunday scaries are kicking in on a Sunday. Any Australian friends you've made are over at their mom's house. Like, it's just, yeah, it's the distance. And yeah, the the tyranny of distance, as we call it, is always just, it's relentless, honestly. Sometimes it's relentless over here at times. The distance and the difference, I think that is so such a great way to, to put those the struggles that you face on the other side of the world into just two very simple wor- words and I think it yeah. anyone uh, you know in Australia I think about going to Australia I think having that awareness of a potential potential problems but also potential supports and things that are available to help people throughout that transition um, and again you know very often like you said you see them you see them at their their, their worst and I think that's what I hear most from people who are thinking about emigrating, but also who have emigrated or are traveling is that, you know, 
you you aren't there for the the bigger small occasions whether that is the death or things like that but it's also your niece's first birthday um it's it's christmas it's all these different things and again it's i guess all we're always trying to balance up you know the things that we have to sacrifice to make other things work and i think that understanding that it's not always going to be the the 100 boat party beaches everything like that even at home there's going to be the cost the weather the job opportunity whatever those problems are for you again i think it's the quote i said on the first episode i said on the 45th 46th episode whatever this one ends up being is that it's like you take yourself with you and particularly with emigration you take life with you so you take everything like that and and what you gain and potentially opportunities and friendships and work and things like that you may lose in other aspects but i think with the work that you're doing it's just so fascinating to me like i i just think bringing irish culture and, and highlighting people's stories um and also being a support to the young irish people so i can just imagine friends of mine who are in australia right now knowing that they had some place that they could go to on their on their best of days but also on their worst of days is just a really comforting feeling and i think particularly parents listening to this nicola they're going to be thrilled <laughs> they're going to be thrilled to hear that there is people on the other side of the world ready to support their kids and their family members because I think that's a big fear is that they're going to be alone and that and that when oh, definitely and like our our staff honestly like you know we've three staff members at Isaac and um you know our staff just go above and beyond like out of hours where you know they are talking to the mammy at home and the mammy doesn't realize that it's the middle of the night here in Ireland because they're just worried about the, the person that we're dealing with and you know, I think people think about, you know, like we said, the distance and the difference, but it affects the people that you leave behind as well. It's this notion of, you know, I try not to think about it too much because it does really tend to get to me. But like in the grand scheme of things, my parents have lived the past 13 years of their life without their daughter being at home, you know, and it's difficult for them. And they're, you know, they're seeing their friends, daughters and sons get married and living down the road from them. And, you know, even even my cousins and, you know, like it's this guilt of leaving where you can't do it enough for too long because it'll be the end of you. But, you know, there is obviously this very big hole that I've left in my family because I've been the one that's chosen to leave. So, you know, whereas I've missed out on weddings and I've missed out on engagement parties and Christmas at the same time, it's always been my mom and dad that have been the ones that are there without me. So, you know, I think like that probably side of it isn't really spoken about as well, especially if you've, um, quote unquote kind of done well over here they're always like as I'm sure isn't it great for her over there and then you have to obviously pretend that it is because you're like oh yeah I know she's getting on really well but you're like she's like you know we haven't seen her in how many years like you know it's yeah I think that's probably an unspoken thing of the people that you leave behind unfortunately yeah and, and I think you know thank you for bringing that up because I think it's something that yeah we, we don't speak about it a lot and it's so funny that you know like I have cousins and friends who are, you're saying like oh they're doing great and it's so true we're always like don't they, don't they doing brilliant and like what you are, are doing is brilliant and I and I, I'm sure fundamentally everyone knows that at home but that doesn't take away from the the, the you know the, the the person missing at the dinner table and things like that and it's just I think it's the kind of pulling it's it's the to and fro of it all it's like you miss that but you get that and I I guess that's the dichotomy of life is that it's that's really difficult decision to make and it can only come down to 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 you and and what you where you think you're going to be but I know for Irish people we we do harness I mean 
even if we were to move county across the city, we harness that guilt that we're not there and seeing our parents on a Sunday. Like, I think that's just within us. And I think that's really, oh, definitely. It's really special. I don't know. And I think, you know, from from American um friends I've spoken to and things like that they they go to college on the other side of the country and they never come home whereas for us there's always this kind of underlying feeling that we likely will or that we always want to or that there's always that connection and I think it's special but I think it also harnesses that level of guilt if you want to go so this is for anyone listening who's like you know they want to go but they're wondering I think I don't know if we ever get away with that I think we can you know no. make it. I think we can talk about it um and I think you know it's just one of those things where it's just always going to be um emotive and and challenging particularly no matter where oh, you definitely. are and I remember I was at like last year the year before like I put up a post on on our Instagram and I was like it was just something very flippant and it was like oh there's some days you you give anything to be at home and it's like that feeling never ever leaves you like you could be living here you know like or JLo said at times like like that feeling will never leave you and I think it's that notion of you know becoming comfortable with that like you will have bad days here but it's the the networks you can build around yourself here and the support networks and you know like support is in the name of Isaac and there yeah there, there's people out there you, you can find your people and you'll never overcome the distance unless they figure out teleportation or something that can get, get us there but you can you know you can make your own home and your own connections here and try to mitigate it at the very very least so when you are having your bad days you yeah. can pick up the phone and have a chat with somebody. Yeah, I think that is is just it's so I guess it's a good reminder. And I think for for Irish people abroad in general, maybe not just Brisbane or Australia, that there is, I think if we look to to, you know, different parts of the world, different parts of Australia, there are Irish communities there to support you and, and obviously communities of the country that you're going to, but I think sometimes you need that like the the fact that you still have that strong carry accent when I I wasn't sure like I was like this girl's been in Australia for 13 years I was like what will she say pure carry no matter what I, I, I could have spotted carry from a mile away I think that is so special as well and I think sometimes it takes that for, for and and sitting in beautiful sunny Brisbane it's in the evening time there we've spent the last little while talking about home and things like that but what are your thoughts Where's your head at when it comes to to Ireland today? You know, this idea of, you know, I'm sure the question you get asked and you're probably sick of answering it is, is, are you coming home? Will you come home? Do you believe there is a place for you here? Or yeah, where, where, where's your head, where's your head at with Ireland? Um, my head with Ireland, I I don't know. I really don't know. Last year, um, we were very fortunate. Um Mary Lou MacDonald came over for an um, Irish Australian Chamber of Commerce breakfast and we got to spend some time with her. And, you know, she was asked a very similar question because obviously she was trying to encourage young professionals to come home. And somebody in the audience asked, like, what am, what am I coming home to aside from my family? And I think I'm in this precarious position where, um, unfortunately, my career is so niche. I, I don't know. I'd have to probably return to Dublin. Um, and I'm not overly, no offence taken, I'm not overly keen on returning to Dublin you know there's there's also very physical barriers of um you know like I've no rental history I'd have to reset my driving test like people that are here over a decade I don't think they realize that it's it's not about moving home it's actually about moving to a different country like I I have to restart everything if if I move home um and I don't know my my partner's Australian so that plays into it we um 
you know, he's mad to move to Ireland. I think he has this glorious romantic notion of him being out in the Skelligs with the caffeine, drinking whiskey every day, just like living the life like it's Banshees of Inisherin or something, you know? He's just like, he's like, we should move overseas. He said one day, and I was like, what do you think I'm doing? Like, <laughs> But like a lot of people, I am obviously going to grapple with the idea of my parents getting older. And I think that will probably be the, the crux for me is when, you know, every time I see my parents, I haven't seen them in a very long time because of COVID. I was fortunate enough to see them last year. And yeah, it, geez, it just, um, it's difficult when you see your parents physically aging. Well, mm. now saying that, my parents are in their prime, by the way. I probably actually shouldn't be saying that in case my mother is listening. Not a bother to her, like living the life. I'd say it'd be a detriment if myself and my brother landed home full time to her. But I don't know, maybe, um, maybe please God, I'd be fortunate enough to end up like one of our JLOs down at the Isaac office and there'll be a new cohort of people teaching me how to read something online and figure it all out. And I think I'd be quite happy with that, being honest, if, if that was me in the next 30, 40 years. Yeah, I, I think I think that flexibility, Nicola, is, is so is so good, like so good for you and, and being able to hold on to that because it's like, you know, it not being tied to this idea. And I guess you kind of recognize that quite early on into your 13 year stint so far that maybe this wasn't just a working holiday visa um, and maybe it never, ever was. But for you, that this idea that maybe you might not come home and, and questioning what would you be coming home to? Where would you be going? I think it's really important um, and I and I think that if you can be happy in the situation that you are now and, and being one of those JLOs and, and working in the way in the capacity that you do well then you know again there'll always be that grappling of but then I'll miss out on this and other things like that but what you gain I think it's just I guess this conversation has just highlighted to me is that there's no perfect one answer to any of these questions never and they're probably I, I do think honestly um, you know like having that experience of working with their JLOs and you know there's members on our board that have lived here for like you know 30 40 years they came over to Brisbane in the 70s and I think having that actual experience like people a lot of people think that they have to go home especially if they've had children I have to go home and it's like you know having that close friendship with people who have stayed here for decades and you think geez like it's actually okay like you know if I don't go home ever you know, would I be able to reconcile that within myself? And I think the only way you can do that is having, yeah, just being around people who have done it. And you kind of think, you know, like they've, they have a legacy here now and they're the ones that are kind of being the the, the instrument of, of Irish culture over here. And maybe you might be physically here, but you know, you can, you can try your best over here and you can have that connection to home. So yeah, maybe I, yeah, maybe I'll be the one trying to knit the baby Jesus in the next 40, 50 years and not getting anywhere with it. I, I think that's a great goal to have. And I think, you know, again, I, I think it's really special, not only that you guys have, create that space to have that deeper connection to home in Ireland and you facilitate that, but also that there's a want still there for that, particularly for that those JLOs of the, you know, 30, 40, 50 years out of Ireland, that they still want to be reading the Irish Independent. They still want to be part of something. That They still want to hear an accent like ours. That they still, I think that speaks to, you know, probably a, a, a wider gener or a wider cultural thing that we have that we even even if we are abroad and even if we don't come home, we still have that kind of love that it's a, it's a special place to be from. And maybe not yeah. everyone feels that way, but I think from what I hear is that you don't have to, like, I love Ireland, but I don't want to live there or there's a better opportunities here or X, Y, and Z. That's a full sentence too. And I think what we're seeing with, with you know, the work that you're doing is that, you know, it's for the younger generation, they reach out to you in, in their times of need. And that is so special and so important. 
and, and maybe in 10, 20 years time, those times of need people will become those JLOs who have stayed there for, for much longer. But there's a there's a want and a need to connect with Irish culture no matter where we are. And I think if we can facilitate that, like the way you're doing it and the storytelling and I, I'll never I'll never get the image of the guy reading the Irish Independent in, in the tech and that was it and and I just think that is something that a lot of people no matter where they are or where they're thinking about going whether they're considering moving to Australia or maybe they have like I have cousins who are there in, in Brisbane for you know I think they've been there 20 years and you, you likely know them probably probably likely know them and I think it's one of those things where it's, it's like, like a reverse thing of if you know somebody from Ireland it's like if you know somebody from Brisbane 100% and that's and I think that's you know like generational historic part like your that your JLo whose aunt missed out on the Titanic it's like we we have been doing this for our our history we have been emigrating across the world as well oh as part of it's part of our dna and i think it's just those stories i can only imagine how amazing they are and they'll continue to have irish people will continue to have these stories of immigration for for long after we're, we're, we're we've been and gone and i think yeah it's just it's just so special to me to hear that there's still that want and need no matter where they are if they're coming home or not to have pick up that phone and hear a carry accent it's special and I think, you know, you have you have lived so much of your own life when it comes to different decisions and making decisions, but also you've been surrounded by people who have made difficult decisions and learned things along the way. Is there any bit of advice that maybe, I don't know, maybe you can give a couple of pieces of advice here. I guess the first piece is for Irish people either thinking about coming to Australia or who are already there. Um, yeah, let's start with that bit of advice because I think you would have picked up some a lot of it on uh, over the last little while. Um, I f well, I feel like, you know, given the nature of what we do at Isaac, I probably like undersold it. <laughs> you know, I don't like, I've just been a bit reflective and I'm like, did I, like, was I actually tourism Queensland? I probably haven't painted it in a very good light. Um, I think probably one of the greatest things you can ever do is come to a different country and experience a different culture. Um, it completely and utterly opens your worldview. It broadens your horizons it just it gives you a depth of experience you'd never have so you know I suppose personally if you're thinking about it I would probably recommend that you you try it you'd probably be a bit more informed than I am but just yeah coming coming to the other side of the world and having to stand on your own two legs gives you a bit of self-assuredness that maybe you wouldn't get if you were at home so even though no you can't ring your mom when something goes astray it means that you can rely on yourself more and you probably grow up a bit quicker over here and you realize, you know, that at the end of the day, you know, you have to rely on yourself first and foremost. So yeah, just in terms of this like experiential side of it, I would definitely recommend it. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, just go home. Like nobody, I think people think that like, oh my God, what would people think if I come home? Honestly, nobody's thinking about you. <laughs> like, Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not the end of the world. 100% and I think that is something a lot of Irish people are beginning to say and I, I hear it more and more is that you know there is no shame in trying something and going home and I think you know for me when I come when I think about Australia Brisbane and the Gold Coast and places like that are places that I you know I, and, and my dream and my hope is is to one day come and visit all these places and, and to see the this where you guys are and to understand the Irish immigration story through generations in these different places because I think that is that is where my my passion lies is is, is meeting those JLOs and hearing them for myself and I think you know Australia it's it's 
very similar, I think, to, to different parts of the UK and London. It's like this is um, there are so many benefits to trying it and to going. Um, and I think with Australia, what's happening now is that people are almost put off because so many people are going. But I have to mm. have that question, why are they going? And it's because of all these good things. And it's because of the Irish abroad and, and the fact that you will ha- know someone out there. Um, and I think that for me, it always comes back to actually asking, you know, put on a pen to paper and asking yourself what it is that you want. And is it Australia? Is it home? Is it moving to West Cork? Is it London or different places like that? Um, but I also think that there's no harm in trying these options exactly. and, and giving and it. A- I, would, I would say as well, probably my only bit of advice is to, um, you know, you know, try your best really to not make a county coochie. Like you're never going to experience anything different if you're only, you know, obviously having a connection to your Irish culture and heritage is like very, very important. But if you're only coming over here, like I'll never forget years ago, my brother came over and some of his friends from Tralee were living in Sydney. They've been living in Sydney for like three years and they'd never like visited the opera house or something. And I was like, how have you, like, you have to stop being so insular. Like, you can all have different experiences, but, like, in order to really, really consider, you know, the Australian people or Indigenous people, the Australian landscape, you have to immerse yourself in society here and you have to broaden your horizon. So please don't think think of it as, yeah, I'm only going to come over here and, you know, essentially replicate truly, because otherwise it's not going to be what you want it to be. It's not going to end up in a benefit to you. And, you know, you won't have learned anything. So yeah try to try to immerse yourself in society here it's a fantastic society here um big into arts and culture and yeah it's just it really is it's not just the weather here so that would probably be my my only bit of advice is to kind of lean a bit more into it potentially really really good advice Nicola and I think again I only heard County Coogee for a podcast I recorded a couple of weeks ago it was the first time I heard it and I was like oh my god that makes so much sense and I think you know again questioning what it is you want when you go to the other side of the world is it is it an extension of truly is it an extension of just that in the summer but if it's something that potentially ever could be long term is there worth is it worthwhile getting involved with you know the the proper kind of systemic irish supports in these different places but also the the australian society and culture is it worth considering that is it worth trying to put you know getting the jobs that there could be potential for for longer term future and things like that and that's Mm -hmm. an individual question I know for some Irish people they'll be like no way absolutely not let's get my 88 days let's get the two-year visa then we'll pop on and that is an experience but also as we can see from yourself and other Irish people I know who have interviewed for this podcast too who have made lives there for 5, 10, 15 years and all the JLOs you can also go live there um, and, and, and build your life there and again like you said that would make coming home, particularly if you were ever to come home, it's this idea that it's not coming back home. It's coming, you're you're emigrating again. And you are emigrating yeah. from your home, but there's always going to be that kind of, you know, the driver's license, things like that. So it just yeah. it all comes down to, to wondering what it is you want out of that experience. And particularly for Australia, where there just seems to be so, like I said to my mom, there's, I have three more friends leaving in January. I had two friends leaving yeah. in November wild <laughs> it's wild I think. and and for yourself oh go ahead go ahead oh I was just gonna say I think probably one of the other greatest things I've learned is that um yeah like just go go small bit easier on yourself when you are over here be it if you've been here a couple of weeks if you've been here for a decade like it's not easy like I say that constantly on social media on our on our Isaac post it's not easy living on the other side of the world I know like immigration as a whole is difficult but like I do truly believe that like 
being able to hop on a Ryanair flight from Birmingham is difficult to, you know, having to pay three grand to get home. So yeah, just go a bit easier on yourself because it's not like people that have elected to come over here have made such a brave choice here in New Zealand, places that have a great depth geographically. Um, so yeah, just be a bit, a bit kinder and a bit easier to yourself if it's not gone well or if you're not having a good day because geez, you've made such a brave decision and you know, it's not for everyone. So yeah. yeah. Definitely reach out to those support systems that are in place because I think um there there is, you know, having spoken to you, what you guys do is so amazing. Like the fact that, like I said, I, I guarantee you there'll be parents listening and not just parents, but potential future Irish people going to Australia, those who are already there and all the different cohorts in between who listen to this podcast and think, isn't it just so great that there's a resource there? who can help me, my friend, my son, my daughter, all these different things. And all I'm going to be doing after this call is sending your page on to every single person I know in Australia. <laughs> Even if you're not in yeah. find out someone, find the equivalent in Sydney or in Melbourne. I'm, I'm sure there is people there bringing Irish people together and, and for, for more than just the superficial celebrations. And like, you know, like if you're fortunate enough to not need our services, if you're not JLO, if you're not in strife, if you're not mother, like our volunteer coordinator, Jennifer, is absolutely spectacular at her job. So if you'd like to give back to your Irish community, if you'd like to get involved in it and help out, we welcome you with open arms as well. So there's ways to get involved if you're not, you know, 18 or don't have a child. <laughs> so. When it comes podcast Nicola it's called greener fields and it's my cheesy take on is the grass greener on either side or just greener wherever you water it for yourself where is the grass greener I would say the grass is greener where you water it and where you people you surround yourself with and um you know the connections and I'm a big believer as well in the contribution you make to society I think that helps water people's grass and their fields so I think if you kind of are able to take off of those couple of boxes you'll be you'll be all right for for anyone who's heard this conversation I feel like there's going to be so many that are going to want to reach out to support you to figure out how we can find um your page everything like that where can we where can we support you um you can support us um on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and we're on Twitter X but we should probably post a bit more there but primarily um, Instagram and Facebook is where we get a lot of our engagement so we're at Irish Support Queensland you'll see us on there we um yeah like I said we kind of um deviate between quite serious posts maybe like you know in the past couple of weeks we've seen a lot of passports being lost around Australia or Queensland so we put up some information to kind of quite um hilarious memes about I think like, you know, we have one, like we put up one last week or something that was like, maybe I might immigrate. So when I come home from Australia, everybody will give me attention. (laughs) (laughs) We're hitting that season now, Nicola, when it is the Christmas season. And I'm actually, I think I'm going to head to to the airport the week before Christmas to just see one of my my sisters coming back to New York, but one of my favorite things in the world. Oh, how exciting. Yeah, there's always that and that story. It's actually the first time a sibling has been away that's coming home. So it's it's there is an excitement in the air. And I think hearing people finishing up and going home and and I can't wait for the airport next week, as as cringy as that is, just to see those moments because um, you know, I think there is definitely it is that season of coming home and and getting all the attention because you've been away. Oh my god, it makes up for it, doesn't it? It makes oh yeah, it it absolutely must. And I think this conversation nicola there is so in my head i'm like 
there needs to be multiple parts to this and we need to talk to your JLOs. We need to hear all these conversations. Yes. Um, I want to come to Australia to, to meet you, to see it all for myself. And I just think that there is so much in the work that you do, your own story, of course, but the work that you do on that kind of mass level of, of Irish culture. And I think it's incredibly special. I think it's absolutely incredible. And yeah, this conversation has got my mind going absolutely 90 thinking about yeah. how much what you're doing but also how much good this conversation can continue to do and I hope to be able to support that um through through whatever way I can but yeah just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for joining me on Greener. Oh, thank you and like just want to say as well that like our board you know like chairing the board like our board are all volunteers they put a lot of time and effort into good governance and the running of an organization but it's our staff really our staff are the frontline workers um our outreach worker our manager Fanula, our volunteer coordinator Jennifer they're just oh my god like the passion and the dedication they show for working for Isaac oh my god I'm just yeah beyond and all of them I'm just absolutely besotted with them so without them we'd be lost but if anybody is listening and god forbid they do need something just pick up the phone in Queensland and we'll be able to help you out I feel like again the, the comfort that gives me and I'm I'm not there is is, is a lot and I think <laughs> who's thinking about going to Queensland who's in Australia in general or anything like that please reach out to, to these guys I think what they do is amazing and also if you're if you're ever feeling a little bit low check out their Instagram and all the absolutely wholesome videos of everything that they've created the communities they're bringing together I can't actually watch it because it's a bit too emotive for me I'm too I'm too soft but it's just absolutely amazing and I think yeah this conversation has has uh, definitely been a very special one for me so thank you so much again for joining me on Greener Field. Thank you so much this is like oh yeah I just think the work you do and amplifying people's stories is just incredible and obviously we come from a long-standing history of storytelling and the fact that you're kind of bringing that into a contemporary sphere is just wonderful so thank you very much thank you and again there'll be there'll, there'll be many more of these conversations so yeah thank you so much Nicola it's been absolute joy thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Greener Fields to get involved, follow us on Instagram at Greater Fields and let us know who you'd like us to talk to next. Thank you so much again and I'll chat to you really soon.